I'm John C. Ronquillo. This is Discoursey. Hey everyone, it's John, and welcome to this fifth episode of Discoursey. Um, I have to say I am kind of proud of myself <laughs> that I have somewhat regularly been putting these episodes out, but part of the reason is these stories, at least in my opinion, are so fascinating and important that um, it's really fueling me to, to try and be as consistent as I can in getting them out. Now, granted that I am uh, still on the road conducting interviews, um, sometimes throws a wrench in my, what I tend to think of as a well-oiled machine, and so um, sadly this is coming out a little bit later than anticipated, uh, but all for good reasons. Um, spent the past week in Hawaii where I interviewed um, a number of people, but my key interviews there were with some really fantastic people who you will meet later on in this series, people who are warm and fierce and smart and really doing great things for their communities. And I'm just edified every time I talk to these individuals. Um, it really does get to a point to where it's um, almost emotional, um, but positive emotions, good emotions, and just a tremendous gratitude for the time that these individuals have given up to sit and talk with me. So today is part two of the Young Standing Rock Protectors, um, specifically with the leadership of the International Indigenous Youth Network, who I sat down with around a campfire uh, on a chilly evening at the Standing Rock um, Reservation at the Sacred Stone Camp. And I came away from this group interview just in awe of these young individuals who were giving their time to a cause they cared so deeply about. And the individuals that you'll hear from are Mia Sage Stevens, Calvin Sanchez, J.C. Lynn Charger, Danny Grassrope, Terrell Cat Ironshell, and Wilma Steele. And each of them brought so many great perspectives to what it is that they're doing and their clear, firm understanding of why they have been involved in the protector's camp, in some cases very early on. Uh, you will hear that J.C. Lynn Charger has been there more or less in one form or another since April 2nd which is the second day of operation of the camp, as it now um, gets to the close of its sixth month. If you've been paying attention to the news, and I hope you have, um, Standing Rock is starting to get a little bit tense again. Uh, there have been um, some clashes between law enforcement and the protectors. One of the bigger so stories in the mainstream media is the arrest of actress Shailene Woodley, who has been a longtime supporter of the efforts there to block the Dakota Access Pipeline. And her arrest has brought some renewed light. Um, I can tell you that she has garnered a lot of appreciation for 
um, her being so vocal and prominent and present and uh, really trying to do the best to bring light to the issue there. Um, And though I can often be a critic of celebrities' own stature overshadowing the issue, uh, I I no longer think that that's the case here. I do think that Miss Woodley is a staunch and exceptionally supportive ally, and I know that there are many people who appreciate her being there. In any case, without listening to me drone on too much, I do want to get to um, the interview. Um, Please bear in mind if there's any audio issues, it was a bit of a cloudy, windy, uh, off and off, rainy day, and so hopefully the audio will be sufficient. Um, But listen to these individuals, these young people who are taking on a leadership role, who are very serious about what it is they do. And uh, I hope you will enjoy listening to them as much as I did. So without further ado, here are some of the leaders of the International Indigenous Youth Network. The first voice you're going to hear is that of Terrell Cat Ironshell. Now, I do have to warn you, there were several people around, and there is a bit of background noise of other people talking. But to the extent that you can, uh, please listen to his words. He is definitely a wise young man. So one of the main things that we're trying to do here is to empower the the youth and the children and really teach them that you know they they have a voice and that people are willing to listen and you know it's it's, it's really like a learning experience for both of us on both sides where we're we're learning to to be leaders and we're all stepping into these leadership roles but we also these these children they you know they they look up to us you know we're we're not we're not very old yet so we're like the cool aunties and uncles the cool older crowd that they want to know and that they want to be like and so for us you know we have to lead by example and we, we have to we have to show them our ways our cultural ways because without you know without them and us knowing about it, you know, it could just fade into the past and we, 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 we could disappear. But, you know, our people have been, have been fighting for so long and, uh, you know, teaching our young ones. Because me, like, like me, I've learned, you know, since birth. And I've, been, I've always been around the ways, I've always been around the movement. And it's really, you know, you, you, you learn a lot from it. And uh, so they... The kids here, you know, they're they're the ones that are going to be leading not only this movement but other movements in the future. Maybe we won't ever see anything like this in our lifetimes again. Uh, maybe they will. Maybe their grandchildren will. So it's important that we teach these skills and and our cultural knowledge to these young ones because they're the ones who are going to carry it into the future. They're going to teach their grandchildren and their uh, their kids are going to teach their kids and so on and so forth. And uh, it's really, like like I was saying, it's all about empowering them and educating them and just um, you know, keeping them on the right path. Do you feel like you were prepared well by your elders? Yeah. Plus, you don't have a clock here. Yeah. Nobody has. You know, growing up around it, it's... Uh, it's eight when it feels eight. It's different to, to be here and 
there's uh, some people who have not been around it their whole lives, and so it's kind of, um, uh, I don't know how to explain it, it's, yeah, to me it's, it's a different kind of feeling being around people who have never been around it before, just because, you know, our family has, and so it's, 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 it's different, you know, it, it changes your perspective a little bit, because you do have to, you know, be empathetic and think about what people have been through, and, and it's, uh, the way that some of the people here explain not being able, you know, not connected to their culture their whole lives, it's kind of, um, see, I'm, I can't, like, trying to think of the word, but, um, you know, it's, it's different because, you know, I wouldn't imagine what it would be like to not have these ways, and so the people who, who weren't connected and the people who do, you know, they still want to learn, and so, uh, again, it's just taking on that leadership role, you know, being, <laughs> informing the people and uh, really just helping to strengthen our, our spiritual bond. We have, we, you know, the bond that we share with our Mother Earth is very special. It's like uh, the spirituality that comes from us and these feelings that we put out, it's like an umbilical cord. And we're still connected to Mother Earth. We're still connected to the water. And so uh, growing up, you know, and, and learning these ways, you, you, we're taught to never let that, you know, never cut that umbilical cord, never, never lose this tie that we have to Mother Earth because it's it's all we have and it, it's what keep it, it's what keeps us grounded. It's what keeps our people strong, our spirits strong. It's this Mother Earth and this water. Tell me your name again. Uh, my name is Terrell Ironshell. I'm Oglala Lakota, Eastern Band Cherokee. So, what's your role within the organization? Um, I'm one of. Uh, the past few years, maybe four or five years now, I've been um, training in nonviolent direct action, attending community organizing meetings, uh, actually being involved in a lot of community organizing in Rapid City. Um, I've, I've helped with a lot of NVDA trainings, uh, you know, I've taken movement building trainings, and uh, uh, nonviolent direct action trainers trainings. And so I. Uh, I guess my role here is, um, you know, making sure people are trained, making sure they're educated, they know what's going on. When we when we have actions and we do these things, we don't want, you know, outliers, people who aren't educated, or not people who aren't educated, but, you know, people who aren't um, trained, because there there are some tough scenarios that, that we are going to have to go through, you know, on the front lines. and. And then just being prepared for all of that, and knowing knowing what could happen, and, you know, learning how to how to keep your emotions in track, and you know, and think about things. You know, uh, it's you know, it's just important that we know what's going on, what's at stake, and uh, you know, just being able to keep 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 in prayer, keep keep our messages on point, you know, stay on track, and always remember why we're here. Um, I also was recently uh, I was uh, I recently took on a leadership position. Uh, kind of the way they exp they talked about it, it's kind of like a spiritual leader, but um, you know, just uh, like my life is 
is not my life. My life is for the people. You know, everything that I do, you know, from now on is for the people. You know, not not me, not not my personal, you know, the the things that I that I would have done maybe before, but uh, you know, everything, you know, it's it. Everything that we're doing here is for the people, not just our people, but you know everybody, you know natives, non-natives alike. This is this is a this is a humanitarian issue, not an indigenous issue. Thank you. So how about now? Maybe just kind of introduce the rest of you guys. I'll just go around the circles. All right. All right. So I'm Mia Sage Stevens. Um, part Mexica from my mom's side in Pueblo, Colorado, and then my dad's Paiute from Nevada. And I'm just... Moapa band? Mm, no. no, Paiute and part Mexican. So I followed both traditions on my dad's side. We've always had um, our sacred ceremonies, but it was kind of hidden and secluded. So to be out here too. It's like we're adopting them traditionally mm-hmm. in a way, so it's kind of hard to t- detect what people's intentions are. But it's great to be here for the children, yeah. for the youth, to help help them in whatever way that I can. Mm-hmm. And for this council, I'm here to just help them out. Yeah. How long have you been involved with the, with the organization? Not long, it was only Three weeks? Two weeks? Yeah. How long have you been in camp? Until the same amount of time, more or less? No, I've been in camp for a month. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I was out doing different things, and I decided that my time and energy was better spent here. Okay. What's your overall feel on your experience here? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there's been a lot of ups and downs, but... Any big takeaways since you've been in camp? I mean, there's obstacles, but when we stick together, things are all right. And uh, reaching out to everybody is getting us more connected, like with our elders and the youth and just people here. <laughs> All right, I'm Calvin Sanchez. Um, I'm from Cheyenne River, Butte. And what'd you like to ask me? Tell me about your experience here thus far. Well, my experience is I've I've adapted to this place very well. I'm used to living like this now. And well, kind of don't want to go home. But I kind of do, and then I like. Well, it, this is this, this seems like home. Like when we're not at our camp, it's like let's go home. You know, like feels like home. Yeah. You know. Um. I don't know what is what's going on at my current, our recent living area, but I know what's going on here. I said something pretty profound earlier about time when I asked you how long you've been in camp. Oh, yeah. 
I never really paid attention to time because, you know, what was it? That world don't exist anymore. <laughs> There's nothing to do with time over here unless if we have meetings, you know. That's the only time I paid attention to the time, but time don't exist here. I don't even know how long I've been out here. You know, that could be a month. It could be two weeks. It could be a month and two weeks. And I don't know. If you weren't here, what would you be, what would you be doing? Uh, I'd be doing absolutely nothing. I'd probably be playing video games at my house, just eating a bag of Doritos. This doesn't sound bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it sounds like you've obviously got the connection. Yeah, it's, it's actually nice to get away from technology for a while, you know. Get away from closed-minded people, from people who don't listen to, you know, like, people who don't even know I'm there. Do you have a voice here? I do. But I only speak when I need you. I'm usually quiet. Anything else? There's a lot you can do without saying things, too. I mean, that's, that's yeah, you could say only a couple words and they'll, they'll understand. <laughs> What's your overall experience been like since you've been here? Well, it just feels like the peak of my life. Really? Yes. It feels good. I'm actually happy here. Hi, my name is uh, Jason Charger. I'm from uh, Ingaboot, South Dakota, Shire River Sioux Reservation. Yeah, what, what else? Awesome. How long have you been in camp? Well, I've been at this camp since April 2nd. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, was that, uh, that, that was day two, right? <laughs> Wasn't that day two? Of... Yeah, that's day two. Um, um, there was actually originally five of us that started camping here at Sacred Stone. Um, I got involved with this movement in uh, uh, February 22nd is when uh, Standing Rock actually put the call out to indigenous youth uh, all across Indian country. And uh, I brought my youth from my, uh, from my reservation called the One Man Youth Movement. I brought them here to help in any way we can. And uh, they wanted us to specific specifically get the youth from the communities here more involved into the fight because they had a community meeting and all it was there was unchis and lalas and elderly. There was no youth being represented other than uh, my, my movement. And um, they decided they wanted to make a, a spirit camp. LaDonna Thunderhawk, uh, she stepped up and she offered her land. And uh, I thought more people would be camping, but uh, there was only one person from our reservation that was Joy Brown. And then on the second day, we were like, all right, let's go, let's go hop her out. Let's go occupy this land. And uh, I never really thought I'd be camping here this long, but I ended up uh, camping here all throughout the summer. And it was, it was something that I felt like I needed to do. Like once I, fit, I started putting up my tent, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be here for a while. I know I'm going to be here for a while. And then um, I was in a uh, vault with a run to Omaha, Nebraska with uh, Bobby Jean Three Legs. She coordinated that run. Uh, I was originally supposed to run them through my reservation, but I ended up uh, going all the way to Omaha, Nebraska. Um, 
And then uh, after that, we did a run to Washington, D.C. We, we ran to Washington, D.C. and ended in New York City. And um, uh, I spent two weeks at home just to recuperate from that. And when I came here, this uh, camp was here. Uh, the runners, they brought all these people here. They they um, came here because they saw youth. They saw um, uh, young women and men and children and um, elderly running for the future. And they went to come help. And when I came out here, the youth weren't being represented. They weren't being heard. And uh, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't stand for it because we are the future. I mean, every day, those people, the adults stand up there and they say, hey, we're doing this for our future. But they never really ask us what we want. They never say, hey, what do you want for your kids? Seven generations ago, uh, there was a prophecy about us. They said that um, the seventh generation would bring balance to the earth. They didn't say to its people. It said to the earth and everything that um, falls under that. And... Um, I think it's our duty as that seven generations of being a part of that prophecy, it's our duty to think about seven generations ahead of us and what we want from them. Because our descendants, who are descendants from, they they died for us to make make sure that we're here and we don't need to mourn them. We should take that step and we say, hey, we're going to honor you. We're going to honor your sacrifice. We're not going to cry for you anymore. We're going to say, hey, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for laying down your children, laying down for your own lives so I can be here. And uh, I couldn't, like, I, um, I'm an advocate for the youth. I, um, I just, one day, I just offered uh, this idea. It's like, well, these uh, youth are coming to me with all these great ideas with the, these problems that are in their own community, and they don't know where to get help. They don't know what to do. And, um... Um, I, uh, my friend here, Danny Grashrup, he's, I offered the idea to him and he's like, well, let's go announce it right now. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's act. I'm like, right now, right, like right, right now. And we just kind of walked up there. We just kind of announced it. And that's how this whole is. It just started like that. Just as quick as a flame. And it, it started to burn. It started to. Like, we start to reach out to youth, we start saying, hey, you guys got voices, and it's a strong voice. It's the voice of the future, because we are the embodiment of the past and the future right now, because what better voice for the future than, or what better voice for the past than the future? Because we are going to carry on our, our, our heritage. We're going to carry on all that history within us and pass it down. We're going to carry the torch, and I just, uh, I want to create a space where the youth can come and gather and and come together and support one another because if nobody's gonna listen to us if no one's gonna voice our concerns if no one's gonna ask us well we're gonna tell them we're gonna get right up there we're gonna tell them what we want we're like hey you guys are fighting for us this is what we want this is what we actually want this is what we need if you guys want to stand up there and just say hey this is for the future you need actually guys really need to listen to us and um it's it's something that i believe in is something I believe in with my very with my very soul because I know how it feels to live in that rough and tough life of being of being youth because right now it's it's a war between our uh, our council members and the government but they kind of forget who gets caught in the crossfire and that's us this th- what this is all gonna directly affect us the youth because when the man can't come here it'll be young women young men getting taken and getting raped and 
when the money does come, it'll go to drugs. It'll go to alcoholism and it'll go directly to our parents and evidently us. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't stand for that. I'm like, that's, that's nonsense. We are not being protected, we're sacred. We are the future and we should be cherished. We should be protected. We should be held in respect, but we, we, we aren't. We're being pushed aside. We're saying, hey, we're youth. Oh, hey, go play with your video games. Go, go be on Facebook. Go, go, go play. When really they don't encourage us to say, hey, you, you are the leaders. You guys need to stand up and fight. Nobody really told us that. No really said like, hey, you guys need to be leaders. But people that did tell us, they encouraged us to do this. They encouraged, we encourage each other each and every day. We're there for each other, even if nobody's there for us. We come here to really rely on each other to come as brothers and sisters because that's what we are no matter where we come from. And uh, that's the way I wanted it. That's, that's, this is a dream come true for me. It's, I never imagined it to grow like this, just camping from five people. I can't, it went from five people to 5,000 strong. I'm like, holy crap. And it's, it's amazing to see this movement grow in mass and beauty and culture. And it's, it's rich. It's everywhere you walk, you can see people with backgrounds. You can see people that have their stories to get here. And it's, it's beautiful. And um, uh, recently I went to Washington, D.C. to speak alongside Bernie Sanders and Bon Jones. And it actually got to voice our opinions, our side of the story. I got to tell people this is what's actually happening. And, and nobody really knew. We were like, wow, this is actually happening to you guys? I'm like, well, this has been happening to us for the past 500 years. Uh, you guys need to get caught up. And um, it was just, it was so amazing to see our voices actually rippling to other countries. It's going to echo throughout the age. It's going to, it's not going to stop here. Like this, it, I made this, this council, not only for this problem, but for all the injustices happening every day. Like what I stand by, everything man-made breaks, everything. Our phones, our pipelines, our tents, our teepees, everything man-made breaks, everything leaks, including our government, including our laws. Injustices like this slip through the cracks every day, but it's up to us as United States citizens, as citizens of this great country to uphold our government and say, hey, you can't do this. The government is made for the people and by the people, but the people don't really know that they have the power. And that's what we're here, that's what we're here to voice, that, hey, we're the youth, we have power. We are the future of your government, and you gotta listen to us. And it's, uh, it's been something that has been amazing, like Terrell, Danny, Wilma, I mean, Sage and Calvin, I mean, I treat them as my brothers and sisters. I mean, I would lay down my very lives for them because they, they're there for me when nobody else is. And we all feel that same hurt. We all feel that same neglect of people not listening to us. And we have come together to be there for each other. We say, hey, we're going to listen to each other. And it's so beautiful to see young leaders rise. Look, we are on, we are on the rise of becoming leaders. But it's, 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 it's sad because we don't get the chance to grow up. We don't get the chance to be adults and to be leaders then. We don't get to the chance to have children right now and get that experience. We have to halt our teenage years. We have to halt everything in our lives. Like, I can't go to college right now because of this. I can't go to college knowing that my water is being threatened by poison. 
We have to hold our, everything in our daily lives. We, we have to be away from our families. Some of our children, we have to be, like, I haven't seen my mother in how long? Like, and she's sick right now, and, I, and I'm here. Instead of being there, it is hard, because this is how much we're dedicated to this. This is how much this means to us, because this is our very lives. This is, people don't look at it like that. People don't look at it like, this is basically the government holding a gun to a child's head and saying, you don't deserve a life. You don't deserve a future. It's basically what they're doing, and they don't look at it like that. And it's, and it's hard, because that is what's happening. That is what's happening to us. And it's unfair, and it's unjust, and it needs to stop. Because already we're facing experience of fracking in Newtown, North Dakota, where young girls can't even go running without being abducted and being sent into getting sold. I mean, that's already happening, and that's going to intensify. And that's not going to stay here. It's going to go to my community. My brothers and sisters will be at stake. They're very lives, and I cannot let that happen. We have children here that will be affected, and we're here to protect them. We're here to protect ourselves. We're here. We're, we are the voices of the voiceless because we feel their pain. We know what they're going through. And oh, go for it. I was just going to say, you mentioned college. That you can't go because you got a future to protect. Is that something that otherwise would have been on the horizon? Yes. Yeah, I went to go to college for a tribal law, and I can't do that because even our rights are being taken away. I mean, 26 of our people that lock themselves down to, to machines, they got federal offenses just for protecting their water. And they do that to us and blame it on us when they put their dogs here and they they bite our mothers, they bite our children, and those dogs are still alive. They're still there. Those officers are still in active duty. And if our dogs would have bit them, they would have shot that dog right on spot. They would have threw that, that guy in prison. That's injustice. That That's... Like, this pipeline was originally supposed to go to through Bismarck, but they moved it here because... They're afraid of the environmental and the social impact it would have on Bismarck, but they put it here to, to this community. That's that's environmental racism. That is. Why do they get to say that the people here in Sanderuk don't get to live and those people in Bismarck get to? That's not for them to decide. That's not for them to say, hey, you guys get to throw under the bus because you guys you guys are expendable. Our lives are not expendable. They aren't. They're lives. They're human beings. We are human beings, and we need to be treated as such. But we're not. And that's why uh, that's why we're here together, because we're here to voice our concerns, speak the ugly truth that no one wants to talk about, because it needs to be brought on the table. And it happens every day, but people brush it on the table. People look at their phones rather than look at what's around them, what's happening around them. I mean, youth get killed every day by, by police brutality. But people just walk by on their, on their phones, busy making money, instead of worrying about that life. Recently, we had, we had um, four black brothers killed by the police, and we didn't have a moment of silence for them. We raised our voices because we were done being silenced. We were done saying, hey, you guys are youth. You guys don't know anything. We are done. We have voices. We have spirits. We have hearts. And they, they matter. We do matter. And... I made this council so we can have a voice, so we can 
say we do matter. Every day we get letters from children around the world, around in South Dakota and North Dakota. Recently had a nine-year-old send a letter to us saying, don't they know that this is my future? They're gonna put their pipeline on. Why doesn't my life matter? Why don't they know that this is my life that's gonna be devastated? I mean, a nine-year-old understands that. Why can't the government? I mean, come on, you guys are, have the fancy degrees. You guys work with Congress, but... And I've spoke with those people, and their interest is in making sure that their empire flourishes, not the people. And it's, it is hard to work with people like that. Every day they have tribal leaders coming to them, asking them for help, but every day they deny them. And it's, it's hard to work with people like that, people who lost their humanity, that only think about the Mercedes-Benzes that they're gonna go back to, and their air-conditioned houses, and their fancy organic turkeys. I mean, we eat bologna sandwiches here every day. I mean, come on. And it's so wrong. It is, it is so wrong. And I couldn't, I had, I had to make that step. I'm like, whoa, I'm done. And I'm pretty sure all the youth are done being brushed aside. And we create this community. We live here together. We work together. We have meetings every night. We invite everybody to come here because everybody's equal. Uh, I know a Danny Grassroot from uh, Going on the Run, and uh, Calvin is the, my childhood friend. And it's we, we brought everybody here together. I mean, friends and family, even strangers. But we revere each other as brother and sister. Because so that's. All come yeah. Yes, basically. Like, people, this energy that we have here, all this, all this want, all this all this spirit that these young youth bring here, it pulls people here. It pulled you here. It pulled, it pulls other youth here. That's how strong we are. That's how strong our spirit is. That's how strong our will is. And it calls to people. People come here not even knowing why they're here. And we direct them like, well, this is why you're here. You're here for us. And we actually make them realize <coughs> what they're missing out on. Like uh, my friend Kelvin here says, there is, there is no time. Like for me, I've been here for a total of six months. It seems like a day. I mean, it does. I mean, I don't even, I don't even remember what date it is today. I don't even, I think it's Friday. I think, I don't even know. And honestly, I don't really care because time is time. There's always, every day we don't, tomorrow isn't promised to us. We make the best that we can of today. Like tomorrow, another youth dies. One of us could be gone. So we cherish you each and every moment. And <laughs> it's something that we all believe in. And I'm glad I, I get to be with, I'm honored. I'm privileged to be among these youth that are so, that are so brave, that are so strong. I mean, each and every one of them brings something to the table. Each and every one of them brings a story and that story is powerful. They bring, they bring medicine here. They, they bring a lot of, a lot of willpower. And honestly, I can only dream of being as strong as they are. I can only dream of being as, as brave as each and one of these youth are. I mean, they face so many odds, but they do it because they, we have to.
and it's, it's so strong. I mean, they're all really amazing people. They are. I mean, you already know just by talking to them. You already know. And it's, I'm so honored and I'm so glad to be a part of this. As you enjoy your string cheese, I can come over here if you want me to. No, I'm okay. Go. <laughs> um. <clears throat> well, um, my name is Daniel Grassrope. I'm from the Kuichasha Oyate Lorbrusa tribe. I'm 24 years old, and I recently. I used to be a college student, but that's on hold. Um, luckily, I go online, so I can continue whenever <laughs> I can. What um, Public, I, first I was going into criminal justice with a um, two-year in paralegal studies, and I switched that into public relations. So that was my undergraduate major. <laughs> nice. How long have you been at camp? I've been at camps, I first visit camp um, after the Omaha run, which was back in like late April, mid-April. So been on and off here and there. Um, it's been really life-changing, I can honestly say. It's just like, it's like really emotional. Like, it, I don't know, like every day I just keep, it's a reminder, you know, like what we're fighting for, why we're here. The reason why we came here was to protect our water and our land and that just grew from protecting our water and land grew from you know telling us that we have a voice reminding us that you know we're still here as native american people we're still here we're still living we're not we're not in the darkness anymore we're here and we're gonna get heard rather people want to hear us or not and rather you take it as a good or bad we're we're not saying you know like in a demanding way, you're gonna hear us, but even if it goes out, like, like in one year and out the other, at least we're heard, you know, we're not quite anymore. How long have you been involved with the, the council? The council, um, I can't remember when we had our first meeting, like Jason said. <laughs> it was just something that, you know, this lady, Joy Brown, she just, you know, asked us, you know, like, like, you know, it's your guys' time. You guys, like, you know, when you, what are you guys waiting for? You know, it's your guys' time to go up there and stuff. And when we actually did announce our first meeting where it was going to be, it was just, like, like people were happy that, we, you know, like we were, like the runners and stuff were actually going to have this movement. We were actually in action. And whenever everyone just, like, hollered for us, just war hoop and but not it's just it was just an amazing feeling you know like like we're actually doing it now it was all talked about you know like an idea or just like something we can throw out there to give back to our community and give back to ourselves and when we announced our first meeting it was just like that was like really changing and really moving like we're actually we're doing it now we are the voice we are being heard big picture looking forward like Well, first of all, it's my expectations is to stop this pipeline. <laughs> That's one major thing why we're here. And another outcome of that is to bring people together. 
to stop using these like racial slurs against each other just because we are a human race we are one people we are our other brothers and sisters that are non-native you know they lost their connection with the earth and it's our generation now to educate them and bring them back to the circle and bring them back to mother earth bring them back to the spirituality that they lost and with that with the youth it's it's just amazing because people really listen to the youth i mean look what happened at the sacred stone camp once was just a little tiny camp and it grew into like this almost a community on Standing Rock. That's how big it got. When do you think you're gonna go home? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Whenever this is done. <laughs> and it's not gonna stop here. This movement ain't gonna stop here. I plan on doing things for my community as long as long as it takes for me to be up here, that's how long I'm gonna stay. But when I do go home that's where it's all gonna start from within my community. I mean, I'm reaching out to them right now too, but I'm more involved up here because this is where it all started. This is where I gave my oath to be up here. This is why I ran, is to protect this water and this land. So my commitment here came first. Of course, I did work and go to school before that, but you know, something more important comes along that actually, like it's life or death situation, and you know I chose life, because <laughs> many we choni, water is life. It's our first medicine. It's anything. You got a headache, you go to water. Even people like even um, people doing drugs and alcohol when they hang over, whenever they get these anxiety attacks, they go to water. Anything you get dehydrated, you ask for water. Any everything is water. Even whenever like you go into. Um, like whenever it comes winter time and it gets cold, guess what? You gotta stay hydrated, or else you're gonna die of dehydration. Why do you think this is something you can answer if you want? But you know, we've got examples in the news recently. You know, Hopis have arsenic in their water. Animus River was polluted by the government, right? By an accident, you know, and that flows down between, you know, Southern Ute Mountain tribes in Colorado and uh, eventually into the Navajo Nation. Why can't we look at these examples? Or what about the burst pipeline in Alabama? Why can't we look at these examples and say, you know what, maybe they have... It's happening everywhere, everywhere around the world even. We have, but why do you we've think they even don't reached see out why, to why, people why, around the world. Why won't they move it? Because I mean, of well, money. Yeah. That's, money right? is one I mean, big... This is a city. I, and someone told me it was now the 18th largest city in the state of North Dakota, Sacred Stone. Yeah. Clyde will be here in five minutes. Okay. And the TP is a mess. And the TP is a mess. Oh my God. Sure. Okay. With that question, that's why we're here. We're saying it stops now. Like we always got these comments and stuff. Like there's been pipelines across the across the country. Like. Um, breaking and stuff and how come they didn't answer that then well you know this uh, that wasn't a concern us because we were here as people and we're blindsided by everything anyways but right now since it's closer to home and we realize you know that can't happen just because it happened to them already we can't have it here we have to protect what we have Our, and right now this is all we have and that's it in every community that's having problems every huge incorporation that communities have to deal with and even around the world we have a lot of people supporting us that aren't able to be here but they are around the world so 
cool. One thing we have here is unity, and that's what we're going to bring to the world is unity. And that's one thing we're going to stop for is take care of Mother Earth. Like, like you heard before, you know, without a mother, you wouldn't exist. And she is our mother. Without her, we as people, we as a human race wouldn't exist. And that goes for our four-legged and our winged-legged and our guild nations. Yeah. Before you guys go to your next thing, can I get a picture of you in that shirt? Sure. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. It's got a good message to it. Yeah. So. Can I get you in too? Before you guys have to wrap up, you don't have to if you don't want. It. It's yeah. up to you if you just. <laughs> Can you make some? Know. I'm scared. Hey, I'm not uh, a big speaker. My name and what? Where I'm from? Yeah, yeah. Um, my name is Wilma Still, and I'm from okay. the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, the South Dakota side. <laughs> um, I'd say the first time I went here was uh, a couple days before we ran to Washington, D.C. Right so yes. That's so cool. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. You'll probably remember that Calvin said, I only speak when I need to. I can tell you that all these individuals who I had the good fortune of speaking to all felt that way to a certain degree. In this case, they felt that this was a time for them to speak and a time for them to act. During my brief stay at Standing Rock, there was a tribal elder who left a blessing on the camp. And he spoke a few words beforehand saying that this was increasingly important for future generations. That's a blessing and a song that I would like to leave you with, at least an excerpt, uh, out of respect for uh, the sanctity of the song. I don't want to play it in full, but I want you to hear his words and to hear uh, something you might not understand, but maybe you can feel the emotion coming through. Before I do that, I just want to thank um, Mia, Calvin, JC Lynn, Terrell, Danny, and Wilma again for uh, lending me um, their time and space. And I know they were tired. I know many other people were looking to speak with them. Many people wanted to know why they would spend as much time as they did in the camp. And I'm grateful for that time. I do want to correct a couple of flubs I made earlier. Uh, this is actually the fourth full episode of Discorsi, not the fifth, as I misstated. And also the group that all these individuals were affiliated with is the International Indigenous Youth Council, not Network, as I had misstated before. International Indigenous Youth Council. And uh, find them on Facebook. They've got a good following, and they've got great updates. And thank you for listening.
This is Discorsi.